0: John Kim, what a pleasure to have you in the studio with me today. I'm so excited. Thank you.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. It's an honor.
0: Oh no! It's a tremendous honor for me too. Your work is just so important, and I, and I love your approach, and I love what you do. So, before we dive in, just tell tell our audience a little bit about you, who you are, and you know what what stuff that's not in your bio. You know, we've always all got these fantastic bios, and you have one, and they've just heard your bio. But tell us a little bit about you. What's not in your bio, and what motivates you? Man,
1: where do I start? <laughs> um, I'm. Now you a got a great story. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah. I I think we all have great stories uh, as long as we, you know, uh, lean into them. Um, I I think that um, for me, uh, you know, the broad stroke is I'm a therapist who kind of went rogue about 10 years ago after um, just being frustrated with a clinical journey. I felt very contained. Um, I was also going through a divorce. So, uh, I worked in everything from nonprofit to um you know private um residential centers and then obviously private practice. Uh and then I started a blog and I was um I just kind of did it for me. It was called The Angry Therapist. I was on Tumblr. And uh I kept feeding that because it made me feel alive. <laughs> and then that kind of turned into a, a way of working that um some people may say is unconventional. So I started to meet people. Um, at the lake, I started to meet people in coffee shops. I just kind of showed up as I, as I was, you know, just je- jeans, t-shirts. Um, I'd go on walks with clients. And so um, as, a, as a therapist, there are a lot of things that you weren't supposed mm. to do, you know. Mm. Um, and then I, I think the biggest thing is I kind of pulled the curtain back and, um, on the internet. I started to show myself. I started to document my journey. And I think a lot of people thought uh, it was kind of interesting that a, a therapist was actually talking about his feelings.
0: Mm, I just think it's fantastic. And just the mere fact that you called it the angry therapist, you know, that's just yeah. like that's just amazing. And, and I love your unconventional approach. It's just, I think that's very important and very real. I think we have to meet people where they are, you know, this whole clinical thing just isn't really real. So I love the way that you had that approach. Why did you call it the angry therapist?
1: Um, I just thought it was kind of funny that a therapist was angry. And <laughs> I thought, uh, and I didn't know if anyone was going to read it. It was just kind of for me. Um, but I was also angry, you know, in my twenties mm. and, and, and half of my thirties. I was a very angry person. I wasn't happy. I was very lost. Um, I was, I was just chasing something that I thought would bring me happy. And because I didn't get it because I didn't reach the Island, uh, I was, I was angry, you know? And, mm. um, I think that obviously was a big contribution to my, uh, you know, marriage not succeeding. And, uh, later looking back, I think, um, kind of how I the meaning I put behind the words angry therapist" is uh, it was kind of my way of humanizing myself. So um, after Mm. I went through my hero's journey, realizing that anger isn't always a bad thing. And especially if you're a therapist, it's okay. It's okay to show those feelings, you know.
0: I think that's very good because it's so often, you know, that I've, I've been in this field for 38 years and done brain research and practiced clinically for 25. And I, the training we had, which was I mean, I'm older than you. So the training we had was also, you know, you had to kind of keep your distance. You you had to be the clinician, right. you know, you had to be the therapist. Right. And I always battled with that. You know, we thought you have to really, it's bonding is authenticity and, and that kind of thing is so mm-hmm. much more important than that. And so, and you've really emphasized that in, in your work is that being authentic and being real and not, the one out there who's got all the answers but actually being saying hey i've also got issues let's kind of do this journey together it seems to be a a great approach that you've adopted
1: yeah and i I did try the traditional i did try you know i wore i I tucked my shirt in and i wore um i remember buying a collection of uh, wrinkle-free pants because i didn't have time to iron (laughs) so uh, i did all that and um it just didn't feel honest i didn't feel alive and i remember working at uh, this high-end treatment center for, for eating disorder clients. And I was running groups. Um, and I got fired because I didn't want to use the classic interventions that I thought were generic in the file. Instead, I brought some DVDs and I wanted to do some cinema therapy. I wanted to watch movie clips and, and you know kind of mm. do things differently. Um, and I remember getting fired that day and, and being terrified and feeling very like as an outcast, This maybe this isn't for me. Um, but it was one of the, the greatest things that's happened to me because then that forced mm. me to uh work in a way that that is that is more honest to me
0: and more authentic much more authentic authentic. which is which is fantastic i think that vulnerability you know we've kind of reached an era now where people's vulnerability is what and authenticity is what people are connecting with isn't it it's not just this whole i've got answers no one's got all the answers what we do have is certain skills each of us and we bring them to the party and we help each other isn't that kind of how it should be
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, I think the good news is um, the, the, the kind of temperature of, of wellness is definitely changing. Yes. And I'm sure you're experiencing this, especially with the Internet and also a lot of the millennials. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, they, they definitely care less about the letters that you have after your name and they care more about who you are. And so I kind of feel like mm-hmm. um, I, I caught the wave of that, you know, the wave of the new and people interested in, uh, you know, even using things like uh, webcams and technology as more of a therapeutic tool. And I remember when I was, uh, you know, uh, in therapy school, you couldn't do that. You know, you could only see the people in your state and there's a lot of um, restrictions. But if you call yourself a coach now because there's no board, uh, there's so many things you can do. Right. And so um, digital products and even podcasts. And there's a, a lot of ways to. Um, be a catalyst in someone's life, and I think it's very exciting these days.
0: Yes, it is. I agree with you. The wellness space has definitely changed. Um, John, mm-hmm. you wrote a um you wrote a book. I used to be miserable, a miserable. Dot dot dash. What is this book mm-hmm. about, and why did you write that?
1: <laughs> um, the book is about my I journey from being being miserable to um, you know having the ability to find joy. And I don't, I'm not saying that I'm like happy now. I don't think yeah. happy is a constant. You know. I yeah. Think,
0: um, yep. I agree.
1: Yeah, and so uh, you know, we're always working on ourselves. We're always, um, you know, I, I just I'm less miserable today than I used to be, I guess. Um, but it ended up uh, when I was working in nonprofit, I realized we lived in a fatherless nation. Um, all mm. the kids that I was helping with with um, addiction, uh, the common thread. And I was there for five years, and I probably helped you know north of a thousand kids. Wow. None of them had fathers. So
0: yeah, listen, to you. Lose. I listened to you talk about that on a, on a podcast. and I thought, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Like over a thousand kids, and none of them had fathers. So that father wound. So pick that up. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, he, well, I mean, if, if, if they did have a dad, he was emotionally absent. So mm. um, either dad was physically not home. So a lot of single, you know, single mothers, single parents. And then, a, and then uh, dad, uh, if he was at home, he wasn't there emotionally. He didn't have mm. that kind of um, capacity, right? And so uh, even like in the family support meetings, I would see maybe one or two dads. Uh, two dads and they were in the back, you know, half asleep or uh, popping donut holes in their mouth. And mm-hmm. you know, all the moms were up front. And so I got really passionate about um, this idea of um, uh, redefining man and what man looks like and all of that. And, it, and then that's how the book happened. It was, it was kind of started off as kind of 66 big concepts or tips that I think um, make a man. And then uh, I, just threaded, you know, my story into it. And I was definitely a boy in my twenties and thirties. So documenting my journey. Um, And then, so it ended up just being a book, uh, challenging men to look inward, you know?
0: Mm, I love it. It's fantastic book and highly recommended. And it's really, it really um, challenges men to sort of look at that, let themselves deeply. I mean, we all need to men and women, but there's a role that we play, especially when you are a father. Now you're working with those kids. You said there were like a lot of, really battling with addictions and everything. And, and you saw that mm-hmm. commentary So what was, would how, how would you relate, how did you relate to your experience with those boys being fatherless fatherless, to how they were behaving? How did you- I feel like,
1: um, I, I think I was in treatment even though I was helping them uh, because I was mm-hmm. a, a boy or I was a child um, going through a divorce and also kind of um, uh, challenging myself and then um, redefining my own definitions of man. Um, I also, uh, my dad was an alcoholic and wasn't home much. So Mm. I can relate a lot of the kids and how they cope with feelings. I was very reactive. Um, I definitely have addiction in my blood. So I felt like I wasn't just um, helping them, but they were also helping me. It was almost like they were a mirror to to my own self, you know?
0: I love what you've just said. You know, you've shown something that's very real about us as humans—that that deep, meaningful connection that we need with each other. So it's never just mm-hmm. one-sided. You know, you reach out and help someone else, and you get that help back. And and I think going in as a therapist, going in with that kind of attitude—not I'm going to fix you—I know your problem because who knows anyone else's? Who knows what's going on on someone else's head? You can never experience someone else's experience because it's their own. But going in with the attitude right. of "Hey, we can help each other. I've got some skills, and here I'm in this place where I can help." you but i'm learning from you is is a, is a beautiful way mm-hmm. of approaching that kind of interaction i love it it's amazing uh, let's talk about toxic masculinity i i'm so pleased yeah. to find someone who talks about this and deals with this it's so important so roll it yeah. run with it <laughs> um
1: I, I, man i don't i i think um starting uh with uh growing up um locker rooms uh the uh the dad with an iron fist uh, mm-hmm. the, the transmissional generation process where um, old blueprints are passed down, right? And then mm-hmm. what a man should look like. Um, and I think we still carry that whole thing where, um, you know, men don't talk about feelings and men uh, are, are solution-based. Um, men generally aren't vulnerable, uh, all mm-hmm. of that. And also mm-hmm. men, when it comes to, to other men, it's, it's, you know, we're very competitive. Uh, we don't talk about um who we are and our weaknesses, or what we're struggling with, we talk about what we've done, right? So mm. uh, we're in a world where it's very performance based, right? So mm. um, what we have, what we drive, all of that stuff, and I think mm. that because of that, what comes out of that is uh, men disconnecting with themselves, right? And mm. that's where the toxic comes comes in. Mm.
0: And what does that do to to a man? What does that do to a relationship? What are the down, What's the downstream effect of that?
1: Oh yeah. Um, I think uh, to men, I think it's, it's almost impossible to be happy if you're very disconnected with self, you know? Mm, And so I think there's a lot of men who are angry and frustrated, um, and posturing, um, and, you know, obsessed with a scoreboard, a a competition, Mm. um, and then how that affects relationships, you know, huge because, Mm. you know, you're not, uh, you know, I talk a lot about, um, in relationships, uh, um, loving at someone instead of with, and, and so mm. when you're not when you're not talking, when you're not vulnerable, when you're not uh, looking inward or on that journey, then you're coming at people. You know, and I used to be mm. like this, so very reactive, um, not taking ownership. Uh, so you're not creating a safe space, right? And you mm. you know a lot about safe spaces, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I think in relationships, there's disconnect. You know, people aren't producing uh, that relationship glue you know, it's like the, mad- the magnets have flipped, right? And so mm. you have a lot of um, people on the other side who are frustrated and lonely um, and feeling unheard. And so, you know, that's kind of the, the it becomes a crowbar
0: mm. in a relationship. Mm, that's so good and you know to come back to an earlier point and then relate it back to what you just said now you know when you reach out and help others you were reaching out to those boys and you were seeing that in those boys and it was like a mirror to yourself Mm -hmm. and you helped each other you know one of the things I'm sure you've read the study John where they talk about um, when you reach out and help others when you're in a dark place or you're in a bad place you increase your own healing by a factor of anything Mm up to 68% and more and you know that's that's amazing I know isn't that amazing and I've just been doing a set of clinical trials doing research on the whole mind-brain connection and how when Mm -hmm. we manage our minds in whatever We've got to manage our mind all day long. It's something we have to do with everything, all lifestyle factors, etc. It it creates such an upward trend in how we function. So, so I wanted to relate yeah. that to the point you said about it doesn't mean you're happy all the time, but it means that you're a lot more kind of at peace with yourself. There's there's the recognition mm-hmm. that that what you went through is contributing to um, you understand it better now. You can relate that relating to the deeper part of yourself has actually. Transferred your that angry anger into a realization that I'll have ups and downs and that's okay, and it's, right. it's just how you've learned from that. And so that that for me is so powerful. And I love that you've put that information into into your books and things as well. In terms of of emotional well being, because that's one of the things I looked at in my clinical trials, toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and emotional well being. Now we've glossed, so we've sort of given a broad statement of, of of the impact. Can you dive a little deeper into the impact on the well being of like let's say a young boy who's growing up. In a very toxic masculine home, and that father, it's coming down generationally, as we yeah. know. This has been the pattern right. culturally, and maybe the religions. And you know, boys don't do this, and they don't wear pink, and they don't cry, and they don't this, and they don't that. What is in terms of their well being mentally, physically? Relationally, Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, especially, you know, boys, teenagers, you know, in high school, we're such sponges, junior high Mm. on, and we have no sense of self. We don't know who we are. We're, you know, seeking approval and validation constantly. We just want to fit in. And so at home, if you don't have a positive male role model, uh, if you at home, you have a a dad who's absent or uh, maybe um, there's a lot of men rotating and, you know, they're angry Mm. or uh, abusing mom or whatever. Um, there's a lot of confusion because, Mm. you know, at at that stage, you're just a sponge. And so you're going to absorb what you define as masculine or, you know, as a man. And then I think there's, so then there's a lot of uh, repeated patterns from what these boys are are seeing and experiencing. And then of course, none of that works because it's all unhealthy and dysfunctional, you know? Uh, Mm. And then also, I think in school, um, because you want to fit in so bad uh, in order to fit in with cool kids or the, the boys who, uh, you know, um, are kind of the leaders or the cool kids or whatever. um, Again, you're going to fall into a lot of competition, a lot of, you know, machismo, a lot of uh, aggressive, you know, behavior. Um, And so it's like we're positioned to, you know, enter our twenties already um, with, with that kind of iron fist, um, mm. Very buy me attitude, ego, um, mm. that all that toxic uh, masculinity. What you know, distorted definitions of, of what a man looks like.
0: Mm, that's unreal okay before i ask you how we break that or how it's broken because obviously this is where you you're in your field of research and work mm. is you have a very interesting story and can you kind of because you you've and you've intimated so far through all your answers about how you know you've you battled with this yourself with toxic masculinity and all these issues mm. and how working with these kids really started helping you to change so tell us a little bit about your story and then if you can yeah. maybe flow into how do we manage this how do we break the cycle what
1: some sure. tips, techniques Um, unfortunately, you know how we break it is it breaks us. Unfortunately. Ah. Uh, a a lot of, um, you know, like what it, for me, what broke me was the divorce, right? So usually something Mm. happens where, um, you lose something, maybe you lose custody, maybe you lose a marriage, maybe you lose a job, like something happens Mm -hmm. where you have to look at it, you know? Mm. Um, it would be better of course, if we could catch this early on. I mean, if there were classes in high school about, Mm -hmm. you know, if there was actually like, you know, toxic masculinity, exactly.
0: How to, be a, how to be authentic, <laughs> right?
1: Right. Um, instead of geometry and uh, all the things that we, that we don't use, uh, yeah. then you could yeah, you could definitely catch it and break patterns and at least get you know in, inject uh, kids with a, a, a question and also like you know start thinking in a different way. But uh, because I agree there with isn't, you. it's it's yeah. a, it's like the uh, life experiences. It's the broken hearts and mm. the you know the fistfights and the uh, um, um, alcohol and all that stuff where mm. we end up. I think, you know, rock bottom. And that's when we're, it's always like it breaks us. And then, We want to change, you know.
0: Don't you think also suicide is also a very big factor mm-hmm. in that as well? Sure. Not being able Because you lose your identity to a certain extent, don't you? And then you're trying yeah. to gain, because gain, someone who goes into those addictions and things that you've described, that's always just, this, you know, you're trying to be consumed by trying to be able to get back into that kind of balance with love and coherence mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So we're trying to do it with something else and it doesn't work and it keeps going down that spiral. It can, the loss of identity is a huge contributor to suicide as well. That was yeah, just a side of, side note, or, or,
1: mm. or not having an identity. You yeah,
0: know? yeah, not having uh, one in the first place. That's a good yeah. point. And I love that you said something very relevant there. Why aren't we teaching this to our kids in school? You know, it, mm-hmm. it really, you know, it really worries me that we're not. Act- and I've been trained. I've trained thousands of teachers. I've been in in the field that I'm in. I've worked in education, and I'll, I've always in, tried to encourage people to bring these classes, kind of classes, in where you're teaching mind management, whatever mm-hmm. it is, toxic masculinity, how to be authentic, how to deal with your feelings. We're not proactive in our education at all. I'll Because what you're saying is these people are learning this through the crashes in life. You've got to be like literally getting broken before they've, and then they don't have any skills very often until they.
1: But you know, the 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 good news is I think because of the internet, you know, um, now it's not just about school because you know we have the attention of kids online. That's true. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, you know, the invention of um, influencers and other people who are uh, uh, especially males talking about this topic and and also females, of course, but uh, people like Brene Brown who have, um, you know, um, commercialized vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. And so I think there's a lot now um, happening with the the, the up and coming kids where uh, through the internet, now they're asking questions. Now they're seeing different um, definitions of men. Now they're following people who um, you know aren't toxic and, and and actually having conversations about what healthy looks like so i, I love that's
0: it that's very yeah. important that's true you know it's opened a whole new door we've got a different this is where the the good side of technology everyone bad yeah. mouths technology but it has given us the ability to access different ways of thinking and different points of view and and, and knowledge and so on so before we, we i want to get back to a story and we need to remember also i want to specifically ask you about tips for parents mm-hmm. to help you know parent who's got like different ages of children that the boys in their home growing up and so on. But let's, let's hear your story a little bit. Cause it's a great story.
1: Yeah. Um, my story is, uh, just, um, growing up, uh, parents always at work, uh, not having a, a role model, finding, um, the definition of man in, in whatever guys that were cool, you know? Um, mm. so trying to fit in there and usually cause I, I, I was a C student hated school. So usually through an activity, so riding bikes, skateboarding, something where you can be accepted because of what you can do, right? You were a break and,
0: dancer, weren't you? I remember yeah, you... like at 12. <laughs>
1: then,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and you came from Korea and you moved to Georgia first, if I recall. Yeah, and then you, I, moved, then you... I
1: moved to Georgia. Uh, it was in the 70s, very racist there. And I, I yeah. remember, um, I don't have many memories, but I remember, like I could feel mm. in my body, the tension mm. of us walking into, say, a restaurant and feeling very unwanted. We didn't last mm. at all. And we, we moved very fast and came to California in the 70s. Um, but yeah, good. I was um, breakdancing at 12 because I, I've always been into uh, things like that, made mm-hmm. me feel good. Um, but with that came a crew, with that came acceptance, mm. with that mm. came uh, being able to hang out with older boys. And then of course, you know, they were doing drugs and stealing car stereos and all of that stuff. And then I was doing that to fit in. Right. Mm. Um, luckily, I didn't get, you know, I, my, my, um, I didn't get into things extremely where That's I was you know, mm-hmm. in jail and stuff. But I could see how that could happen. Easily, oh, yeah. Right? Easy, uh,
0: easy transition. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. And I would have followed anything they did. I, they just weren't that bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is then you grow up in your 20s and you get into relationships and you don't have a lot of tools. Right. So then uh, in my 20s, I was just, uh, uh, you know, I was angry. I was reactive. Um, I did, had very little self awareness. I was defensive, um, so this idea of looking inward was very foreign to me, right? Mm. And then it wasn't until the divorce and going to therapy school. And and here's the thing: most kids don't ha- go to therapy school, right? Exactly. Most kids, don't so have they,
0: access. Yeah. They
1: don't have access, right? And so because of that journey, um, I was able to now um, actually start a journey where I, uh, you know. Um, just knowing who I am inside, right. Mm. Living a life that's more based uh, on the uh, inside out instead of outside in. Um, I talk a lot about not exchanging your truth from membership, you know, because, because that creates you out and mm. um, all of that stuff, you know, and it's not just a man thing. I think it's, it's a human thing. It's a human thing. Mm. Yeah. And so I, I think catching that early on. And also if you're a parent, I think the first mm. thing that you need to do is actually lead by example. So mm. instead of, you know, telling your kids how they should be or what they should listen to and all that, um, I think the step one is to do it yourself.
0: Mm, yeah. That's so good. Step one, do it yourself. So yeah. if you've got, would you, would you uh, just to, sorry, I, I just wanted to ask you this, clarify. So doing it yourself, would you then demo, mod, recommend modeling if a parent is feeling like anxiety or worried about something, or they've got a lot of pressure, that they actually explain that to the kids? Because that's how yeah. I've always approached. Absolutely. Okay, yes,
1: because- if not, you're just, um, you're not being fake. I mean, you're not being real. You're, you're, <clears throat> you're presenting, you're performing, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You're, you're putting out there what you're, you think is the perfect parent uh, and no parent's perfect, no human's perfect. So exactly. um, being honest and talking about things like anxiety and why uh, mom is depressed or why dad is frustrated or what happened, uh, including, I think, the child, um, that I think is a lot more powerful than, you know, um, pretending.
0: I agree with you. And that's how I always would advise my patients and and how I brought my kids up with the fact that, you know, this, this, I'm a human and I I don't know everything, even though I'm your mom, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and, you know, I hear this is. Tell me so I can fix them, but also I feel pressure or whatever, and this is how I'm feeling. So verbalizing and into and, and looking deep inside myself, and then mm-hmm. modeling that. You know, one of the things my kids always said to me is that we, I taught them how to think, and I think that's very important for, to teach mm. kids how to how to think. And I'm hearing you say that that you didn't, um, if you don't get inside yourself and think like you were in your twenties, you got to your twenties and you weren't actually thinking inside yourself. All you wanted to do was to get this identity and you were doing mm-hmm. it with all these external things. Sure. And you, then you eventually, you had this massive trigger in your life with a divorce. And now then you had to go inward and you saw these boys and you had to go inward and you had mm-hmm. to find John mm-hmm. and then start building up from there again. Is that-
1: yes. And, and, and finding John or whatever, whoever your you know, your, whatever your name is, um, it's not a one-time thing, right? It's uh, because you're changing constantly. Right. And so the John at 47 today is very different than the John at 25, you know, Mm. so, um, this idea of finding yourself and should be right. Mm. (laughs) or if something's wrong. Um, so when people say you got to find yourself, um, you know, you're always finding yourself You're you know, I think your relationship with self, like any relationship is sometimes good, sometimes bad. And there's an ebb and flow um, and, and finding yourself isn't—it's not a one-time thing.
0: I'm so glad you said that because there is yeah. that lot of that teaching in a lot of the psychological series and just the general. Uh, Pop culture and stuff that, you know, there's this, and it's very in the religious circles that there's this, you know, this ultimate. And when you've reached that, then it's, you know, the Mm, top of the pyramid mm -hmm. kind of thing. But it's not because every, I mean, I'm involved a lot in neuroplasticity research and Mm -hmm. your brain's never the same. You you constantly, your personality is being shaped. You are you, Mm -hmm. but you keep on changing and you're involved in that shaping of that changing. Either the world shapes you, like you've just described with your life and the toxic masculinity or whatever, or you actually take control and you go along with the shaping and often it's mm. it's a very painful process at times too isn't it i mean it's not like this yeah. is going to be a walk in the park
1: yeah there's going to be a lot of resistance you know i got mm. one of my first tattoos was uh resist nothing I love and it, was, it was a reminder yeah because i had so much resistance to everything and i think that yeah. uh, your resistance uh sometimes can can be the soil you know it can be the uh, the, the first domino in your hero's journey if you if you uh, look at your resistance where it's coming from and why you're resisting
0: Take that a little deeper. What do you mean? Give an example of that. I, I like um, that.
1: Resisting uh, relationships, resisting showing yourself, resisting. Um, um, it doesn't matter if it's if it's a, a hard workout, right? Or it could mm-hmm. be um, being vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just constant resisting because it's coming from fear. It's coming from defense. Uh, it's coming from uh, not wanting to, you know, get to know who you are or not wanting to connect with you. So Uh, I think a lot of people who are reactive uh, resist a lot.
0: Ah so what we've got to do if I'm hearing you correctly is recognize the resistance embrace mm. it and actually look at it you know stick lean your head in the yeah. stick in your yeah. lean into it stick your head in the pain of that resistance and find the yeah. message behind it and then the growth will come we've got sure. to keep on feel you know feel the pain to grow kind of thing but yes. we are, we are definitely wouldn't you say we we're in a society in this modern era is all about suppressing the pain you know the positive psychology movement yeah. and just the take a tablet if you feel sick you know that's something that I've constantly have been Fighting against in my career is we can't just. I saw, and I've seen it change. I've seen this this trajectory over the thirty years that have thirty thirty eight years I've been in the field. Is this trajectory from I will actually do some work to oh I can just, I mustn't feel sadness I mustn't feel pain I mustn't I must just suppress mm. everything and that creates a lot of problems too. I mean I think that's also it's almost like a paradox where people are becoming mm. more authentic, desiring and aware of more authenticity and vulnerability, but at the same time they're not sure if they want to feel the pain. So it's almost like a mixed message that is being received out there
1: yeah i mean just denial right it's not one yeah. to look at something um so yeah and, and you know i don't think there's anything wrong with positive psychology i think it's great but positive psychology doesn't balanced. mean balanced
0: yes yeah right exactly it's been misinterpreted yeah right right definitely now use the first tip you were talking about tips for parents and you've you said the first one is to you, you model it and then what would yes. be a
1: Um, and, and, you know, I think especially now because self-help has become popular and it's commercialized, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are, uh, digesting information. A lot of people are going to workshops and uh, retreats and walking on fire and all of these things, which is great. But, you know, I don't think that's enough. Like, I don't think that's, Working on yourself, right? I think it requires processing. I think it requires uh, things like getting into therapy rooms and talking about things that are uncomfortable, and and you know, following uh, patterns and diving into your past and all that. Because uh, if you're just taking in information. Um, there, there, there isn't any processing going
0: on mm. that's the problem I've, I find I agree with you I'm actually finishing a book at the moment and that's one mm. of the things that I've been addressing it's my 18th book now in these mind wow. things and the the one of those are one of the things that we we, we are in an era mm-hmm. where there is there's just everything you can find information about every right. possible right. but if you want to find out about toxic masculinity you can go to Kim's Kim's site and, but the thing is they can read your site follow your Instagram mm-hmm. read your books it's brilliant information it will last it'll change their lives, but will they apply it so right it won't,
1: it won't change their lives unless they apply it
0: exactly so, so you practice yeah. something so yeah. how do you so as a parent how do you teach a child or how do you as an adult turn this gaining of knowledge into application of knowledge.
1: Yeah, so I think it's, 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 um, it's part of it is teaching, of course, and providing resources and information and also, you know, um, um, suggestions on, on, on what they should uh, take in. But also uh, a big part of it is actually going through that journey yourself and sharing that with the child, you know, um, mm. that mom is not in a good place, but she's working on herself. And also this is what she's doing and then involving the child in that uh, because that's what life is, right? Um, mm. in, instead of you need to do this and you need to do that, um, a lot more we's in our senses, right? Mm. Um, I think parents also. I like also, that.
0: I, did, I hope they heard that. You've said a lot more we as mm-hmm. opposed to you. you it's, yeah. a, it's a learning together.
1: Yeah. Like one of the things I learned in, um, uh, so I was running family support, I was spearheading all the, you know, uh, uh, working on the parents. Uh, they had a lot of things to say about what their kids should be doing. Right? Mm. Um, they were not looking at themselves. They were not working on their marriages. They were um, just there, right? And they, they basically mm. would use us as babysitters to, to fix their kids. Um, mm. But I, I, I rarely saw a lot of parents fixing themselves. And mm. so, in, especially in addiction, it doesn't work. Uh, because it's a family problem. It's not just the person mm-hmm. who's in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at that age. So when the if the kid becomes sober, when the kid goes back home and the chaos is the same, there's a high mm-hmm. chance of relapse, right? And yeah, so Exactly. You gotta, you gotta. As as parents, you you have to um, own your own, own your own stuff. I was gonna say that word, but own your own stuff. You I know? love it.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. And the family therapy concept: if you don't fix it at home, it's not going mm-hmm. to change. And you have to equip. And I love that. I used to do family therapy as well. You couldn't, you can't just. Fix the child. It's not my response. You know, come here, here, fix yeah. my, fix my child. It's actually, hey, let's fix the family dynamic here. Let's, you know, yes. use these skills to fix the family dynamics. So that's a brilliant tip for parents: is the, the authenticity is to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that oxygen mask thing in the plane thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Before you can yeah. put oxygen on someone else, you've got to put it on yourself. So, isn't don't you think what's contributing to toxic masculinity as well is this thing that parents know it all? They've got this automatic authority because they are parents, but if they're not living lives. Of you know, if they are living lives of inauthenticity and they promulgating this toxic masculinity and that kind of thing, and not working on themselves and creating an environment where addictions grow, etc., that's not healthy. It's better for um, everyone to just be breaking down and crying and open and expressing right. and moving right. through. And
1: right. but you know, I think everything starts at home, and I think if um, that was happening early on, where uh, parents were showing themselves and and not putting put presenting themselves in a way that's perfect. And, you know, a lot of weeds in our senses, and all that. Um, then you have kids growing up being vulnerable. Then you have kids growing up um, who are
0: uh, mm. not
1: reactive and not cope, uh, coping in a healthier way and talking mm. about the feelings and all that. And all, and, and all of that I think will ripple where uh, then, then there won't be much, a lot of toxic masculinity because they are able to, um, not hold things in and able to, you know, connect more to themselves because that's how they were raised.
0: Okay. So that's brilliant. What you've just said is so brilliant. You saying that, cause I was going to ask you and you actually answered it. What would be, how do we break the toxic masculinity mm. cycle? And you've pretty much said it with two very simple things, and that is being um, being authentic and working on your uh, modeling it, modeling Mm -hmm. that you're being a parent, not scared to model your vulnerability. And then, um, what was the second one? Talk, basically talking around, expressing, showing, talking about how you're feeling about uh, 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 teaching a child from young to dig deep and to express Mm -hmm. it and to explore Mm -hmm. and to even if you don't agree with everything, let your child at least in the safe space. If they don't explore at home how they're feeling they're going to go out there and do it in the wrong way and get advice advice from the yeah wrong environments
1: Uh, i think also they don't have the um they haven't practiced because it's a muscle you know to actually Mm. express yourself so they grow up and they don't know how so they they express themselves uh because they have feeling but they don't have to express themselves it comes out in um whatever drugs uh sex, my, you know, anything that, that mm-hmm. the food, things that, that may be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're able to release that, that valve of the pressure cooker, cause we're all like that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in a healthy way. Um, I think that in itself can eliminate a lot of toxic masculinity, a lot, lot lots of reactions, you know?
0: Mm, so I'm hearing you, if I'm hearing you correctly, John, it's the, it's the, um, ability to dig deep and to actually express how you feel, explore how you feel and try to understand how you feel as a lifelong journey is a very big key to break toxic masculinity.
1: Yes. Cause I, you know, when, when people say toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. they think, you know, um, they think, uh, muscle and aggressive men and, uh, you know, um, I don't know, very sexualized. They they, Mm -hmm. they think about Mm -hmm. a lot of the behavior, but -hmm. they don't think about, um, why that behavior is happening.
0: Mmm, that's so you know, good. So they immediately look, so that thing of you can't do this if you're a man is the behavior, but what's mm-hmm. the thinking behind that behavior, the thinking and the feeling and the choices being made yeah, behind it? Yeah, where's
1: it coming, from, right? where's it coming why are, from? Why are they mm-hmm. be, behaving that way? You know, why mm-hmm. are they, whatever, So why is are it, they working too much or aggressive toward okay. women or whatever it is, you know?
0: So this begins in the family and as a society, we could, this can translate or we to, to two angles. Society has got to change. So you've got to mm-hmm. speak into it like you're doing with your work. And then we've also got to encourage parents in, to do this young with kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So and, you come- know, uh, society has to change, but we don't have a lot of power over that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but we do have power uh, of our family unit. We do have power. If we are parents, we do have power of, you know, um, how we raise our kids.
0: Mm. So parents also need to break down a few barriers, and even kids. In terms of like, we get so used to we've grown maybe five or six generations of being in a certain religion or being in a certain belief system, or just the cultural mm-hmm. environment mm-hmm. of to- of toxic masculinity. We the parent needs to have the courage to say, Oh, maybe this isn't the right way of doing things. Why yeah. can't my child wear a pink t shirt if he yeah. wants to wear a pink t shirt? I, I, mean, <laughs> <Were with, you? laughs> yeah,
1: I was just gonna say that. I mean, just were you? Yeah, I was gonna say. Just starting with the color red and red and blue. Or, I mean mm, uh, pink, or pink and, um, and what that means and why you know um, we we put bows on our daughters' heads you know before they have hair and and you know put them in dress. I mean all of that I think is yeah. is coming from the parents and their definitions, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, and, and you know I, I, I think that uh, um, because we have these uh, very rigid blueprints and we we put them on our children, mm. uh, that's gonna also contribute to it right?
0: Mm. Instead of allowing
1: them to make their own definitions and allowing them to evolve and grow in their own way.
0: Exactly. So if a child is naturally doing, I mean, if a child doesn't want to go and do sport, doesn't right. mean that there's something wrong with that boy because yes. that boy's got to go and do sport. Maybe they right. want to play the piano right. and they're a brilliant musician or something. So it's to allow that person not... So parents got to be very careful about imposing their own yes belief systems. Absolutely. And if a child is resisting... They should tune in, shouldn't they? They should say, okay, well, this is what I've kind of grown up, but my child is battling with this. Instead of, mm-hmm. you must do this. This is how yeah. men behave. It is, oh, okay, let's talk. Let's explore. Why do you feel that? that? Is that but what it, you're it, saying? It, mm-hmm.
1: Yes, And it, but isn't that also kind of a uh, reflection of the parents not doing any inner work? I yes. Mean, if you want your child to, for example, play sports and drive trucks, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, actually learn how to fight. Whatever, all the things yeah, that kind of knew, how to fight, yeah. you define as what a, a, a boy should grow up and be like, or a man. Um, I wonder how much of that is uh, uh, coming from an insecurity of one's own self or lack. Or lacking.
0: Mm, oh, I love that. So in other words, you need to ask yourself as a parent, which is an important tip, is why do I want my son to mm-hmm. be like this? Right. Or my daughter to be, we're talking toxic masculinity, but why yeah. do I, as a mother, as a father, why are we expecting this from our child? Why can we not tune into that child's identity? What are they trying to tell us? Well, because oh, it so... says something about
1: mm-hmm. them and that's why.
0: Yeah, no, I love what you're saying. This is so important. This parenting is so complex and parenting, but parenting is also not so complex. I know that sounds crazy. I got four big kids. And that's one of the things that I have learned is um, they teach me everything. And it's, you know, I grew up in a very rigid home, a very religious home. And I thought, I'm not going to do that with my kids. I'm Mm. going to be open and sure you make mistakes. But if we can get to that point where we can tune into our children and let them tell us, hey, I don't like what you you know the, do some do some of my own internal work. If you have an idea, uh, you should behave like this. And your child says, "Hey, no, that's not a comfortable for me." Not mm-hmm. resisting and getting angry, but being able to actually say, "Okay, let's talk. Let me understand you. Let right. me tune, right. let me get out of my mindset and don't impose mine on you. Let you your own individual human. You know that that would be quite an important thing to focus on wouldn't it
1: yes uh, and also you know kind of pulling back not only um to our children but also to each other mm. to our uh, partners to our friends to our family you know and mm. so um the world would be very different if that was happening
0: mm. if people were know? more tuned into themselves and into each other
1: yes and al- allowing mm. space for other people and yeah. accepting right all you know judgments um and and not trying to control people or putting your your shoulds or your definitions on other people i mean all of that you know
0: Oh, I love what you just said. Not putting yeah. all your shoulds on other people. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. That is so powerful. Just give an example of that just to.
1: Um, with, our, with our partners, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. what we think, uh, how, they, how we think they should look or, or what we think they should do or, or you know, what they should drive, like all, everything, you know. Uh, so it's mm. not just parents with kids. It's, I think, um, us to ourselves or, and also to, you know, the, the people around us.
0: Awesome. I love I love what you've just said. It's I love everything you've said. But this is really very practical. Don't put your shoulders on yourself, on your partners, yeah. on your kids. Yeah. Okay, uh, uh, last question if I can ask you one more? <laughs> yes, um, let's do it. What what um what advice would you give to fathers who have sons?
1: Uh, if one if one thing, oh my god, uh, be there be there
0: Mm.
1: uh whatever that looks like for you you know um and as much as you can and i know we're busy and we have people building you know companies and all this stuff but uh uh be there be present you know Mm. um and i I don't know i don't think that just means to to uh go to uh, activities and and um but actually uh engage actually um you know Put the phone down. You know something I struggle yeah, with, yeah. right? Everything I do is on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but I think being there, being present, I think that means a lot more than uh, teaching them something.
0: Mm, um, sometimes you know just saying. sitting, just sitting and watching a movie together, or just going for a walk together, yeah, or just yeah. working in the same environment. Like if you are doing kids doing homework and you doing something, you could sit in the same table or something and right. do it together. And right, because I know it's if you if you create an environment where you feel a child can feels that you there, that you're around enough, it's safe, a safe space, they'll talk mm-hmm. to you. But you can't say, yeah. okay, let's sit down and let's have a chat. When you've right, never right. been with them, <laughs> when you've never <laughs> right. been with them, let's go for coffee and now let's talk. Right. It doesn't, you've got to have spent the hours. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. You've, is that what you're saying? So you've got to have spent those hours of time where it's very relaxed. You're comfortable not talking. You're comfortable talking. You're comfortable talking about silly things and deep things. Is that right? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, you gotta earn uh that relationship. You know, it's not given just because uh your child has your DNA.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay, John, you wrote another book called No No A No BS Guide to Finding and Living Your Own Truth. What is this book about and why should people read it? Uh
1: that was my first book and uh it's about uh building your life container, your your life space and how we have cracks in our container and then but we could build a new one and if we build a new one the growth is uh organic growth is, uh, natural and all of that. Uh, so again, it's just documenting my story and some of the concepts that I, uh, I've used on all my clients.
0: I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. How can people find out about you and, uh, just uh, get the angry your-
1: therapist at, uh, at the angry therapist on social media or the angry is my website.
0: And then we'll put your, thank you, we'll put that link and your books on our, on the show notes for the podcast. And John, thank you. You've been amazing. Have you got oh, a final you. word of wisdom that you'd like to part to our viewers and listeners?
1: God, I don't know if I have any uh, wisdom. Um, oh,
0: you got plenty, you got plenty. Or maybe <laughs> something that you worried about in this wellness space or you excited about what can you kind of? Uh...
1: Um, I'm excited about uh, how we're using this. Uh, so I just created something called the the lab, and it's basically using uh, Zoom or other uh, kind of technologies to connect. I love what you said earlier when you said that when we kind of work uh, uh, through through and with other people and not alone. You said there's a 68 percent
0: um, yeah effect increase. increase yeah right. And <laughs> so
1: like now's the best time to connect um, online and, and use it uh, as a. A positive thing. You
0: know? Absolutely, I love yeah. that. I agree with that because people are worried about isolation and and loneliness, yeah. but actually we're more connected than we ever have been. I interviewed an epidemiologist just recently, and I tell the statement to everyone: "See, for the first time, in human- humanity is facing uh, globally facing the same common enemy, and it's forced mm-hmm. us to connect in ways. So yes, we may be connecting. I may not physically be with you, but I'm seeing you, yeah. and there's still a connection. And so we've sure. got to. It's not the obviously the ideal. Mm-hmm. Would have been great if you could have been live in." studio but at right. least we're connecting and that's what you're saying at least we can connect and we can make the best of it
1: yes and to do it
0: and to do it and not yes. just to talk about it but to do john right. thank you so much and congratulations you. on your new new nine week old baby is so it much. a girl or a boy a girl lovely what's her name
1: yeah logan
0: logan oh that's i will enjoy go and enjoy your baby and thank you so much for spending this time with us it's been fantastic i've thank loved you. it well.
1: All thank, right, thank you,
0: you.